This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome to the Daily Digest on the Bigger Picture with me, T. Shaoik and Lim Su An on this Chinese New Year Eve. Now, our story for today is about the voting age. So recently, the Yang Dipertua Dewan Negara Tan Sri Datuk Dr. Rais Yatim claimed that the Pakatan Harapan government may have been hasty in gazetting the motion to lower the voting age from 21 to 18 and that politics is no place for school-going children. So we'll be discussing the content of his statement as well as the importance of lowering this voting age. And as always, if you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us on this topic, you can tweet us at BFM Radio or WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. So, as I mentioned, in an interview with Utusa Malaysia, the Yang Dipertua Dewan Negara or the President of the Senate, Tan Sri Dato Dr. Rais Yatim, claimed that the Pakatan Harapan government may have been rash in their decision to gazette the lowering of the voting age in Malaysia from 21 to 18 years old. According to Dr. Rais, the decision was made hastily without weighing the potential ups and downs of the move, nor taking into account the, pol- the country's political landscape. Mm. So just to make one thing clear, during Pakatan Harapan's tenure, the ruling coalition only had a simple majority in parliament, which alone is not sufficient to amend the constitution. So to amend the constitution of Malaysia, you would require at least two-thirds of MPs to support the motion. And if you remember, the decision to amend the federal constitution and lower the voting age was a bipartisan one. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw MPs from both sides of the political uh, aisle voting in favour of it. So it may not be entirely accurate to blame one coalition or another for that decision. That's right. So circling back to Dr. Rice's statement, he said the move to amend the constitution has plenty of pros and cons. He also said that the country is already a quote bird politic around the clock and that 18 year olds are only school children who are unfamiliar with the fight and are just looking forward to their next step in life. He goes on to say that 18 year olds are not ready for the various aspects of life I believe he used the phrase warna warni hidop and are still living off their parents money yet they are told to determine the future of the country. Yeah and Dr Rice further elaborated that the likes of Tun Dr. Mati Muhammad, Lim Kit Siang, Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim, Datuk Sri Tun uh, Najib Tun Raza, and the rest just took the bait, and that the young people uh, will not like to follow these elderly leaders. So it's important to note that um, last November, the minister in the Prime Minister's Department, who is in charge of Parliament and Law, Datuk Sri Takiyuddin Hassan, informed Parliament that the automatic voter registration for 18 year olds will kick off by July 2021. So, in other words, things according to him will go on according to the plan. However, Dr. Rice's statement has certainly raised uh, many eyebrows. Um, many dissatisfied youths have taken to Twitter to criticise his opinion on this matter and um, many of them are expressing uh, their fears on social media as to whether or not the state of emergency that we're in right now uh, and which is set to last until August will deter these plans. Mm. So to discuss that with us as well as uh, about the importance of lowering the voting age to 18, we're now joined by Kira Yusri the co-founder of Undi18, the youth advocacy organisation that kick-started, uh, kick-started this entire movement. Uh, welcome to the show, Kira. So to kick things off, what were your initial thoughts when you read the statement by Tan Sri Datu Dr. Rais Yatim with regard to the lowering of the voting age from 21 to 18? I think my initial reaction was that this is quite hilarious to read because he mentioned that Pakatan Harapan was rushing the bill, right, last year. And I, sorry, two years ago, almost two years ago now. And I was like, 
if I recall correctly, every single parliamentarian and senator um, actually supported the bill. So it does not make any sense for him to say that, you know, the cabinet had rushed the, the, the reform through at that time. Not to mention, I felt it was quite condescending of um, the tone that he took in his statement to say that young people are not qualified or are not uh, ready to make that sort of decision. Because clearly, as you can see, even uh, especially during this pandemic, um, and over the last few years, how much young people have proven and go above and beyond to prove all these um, uh, stereotypes wrong about them, you know? So that was um, so a bit, a bit hilarious, a bit bewilderment, and a bit offended. So Kira, take us back in time for a minute here. What inspired you to start the Undi 18 campaign back then? Yeah, sure. Actually, it's a very interesting time to reflect on this now because uh, we just... The U.S. just have a new president, right? Actually, in 2016, when Dharma and I, uh, my co-founder, were, uh, we were studying in the United States at that time, and Donald Trump became president. Okay, so um, and that was the very interesting time because we've seen, we saw a lot of political debates happening among university students uh, in our respective universities. We had roommates and housemates that were just passionately discussing uh, policies and, and laws, and they were all much younger than us, you know. And I had classmates who were like 19 years old, and they were talking about voting in their local democracy, uh, local council, referendums, not to mention at the time Brexit was also happening, where if you remember, Malaysians could vote for it at that time in the UK, even though they probably couldn't vote in Malaysia. So uh, we, were, we were just talking about it to our friends, and uh, you know, both in Malaysia and abroad. And we were just thinking, like, how, why don't we have this kind of, like, robust political discourse in the, among mainstream youth, you know? So uh, we know that there are pockets of activists uh, always, you know, pushing back against the establishment, talking about politics, but political participation. But it's not a mainstream discussion. And two reasons, and there are two reasons uh, to that. One is the Aoku uh, law, which still hasn't been reformed entirely. And secondly, young people are not stakeholders in the conversation. You are not allowed to vote. Um, so we decided that, you know, uh, lowering the voting age was the target that we wanted to, to hit because we believe that political participation and the discourse around it should become mainstream conversation and not just limited to people who universities or people who take political science or people who study law because um, they, they can see the big picture, so to say, you know, voting is a right for everyone and it shouldn't just be a, a, a privilege. Mm. And uh, earlier in our talk set, we mentioned that the amendment made to the constitution to lower the voting age was a bipartisan move. So tell us about this process. How did you get both sides of the political aisle to agree to this? Uh, so when we started campaigning for Undi 18, of course, we always believe that before we go to speak to politicians and do consultations and all that, we need to create pressure groups from the public first, right? We need to get the public emotional about the issue. Uh, we ran social media campaigns, we tried to do forums and events, and we tried to attend as many programs as possible that were um, that had speakers that were political uh, politicians, right? So we would just go to forums and say, and just raise our hand and say, oh, YB, what do you think about lowering the voting age? And of course, some people brushed us off, some people were saying it's impossible, um, but we did have some level of support uh, on, on the Pakatan Harapan side. And of course, uh, the young politicians at the time, YB Nick Nazmi, uh, YB Said Sadiq, uh, Sadiq was not even uh, an MP at that time, right? He was building his political career and he noticed the campaign. He's like, you know, this is something that um, he really believes in and he thinks is important. And then, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Wabi Nik Nazmi also spoke about it during the Kadelan Youth uh, um, Conference at that time. So, we knew that, uh, you know, this is a progressive idea and something that uh, Pakatan Harapan um, can, can, uh, would be supportive of. 
um, although there was still some level of pushback, especially from the older um, representatives. But the real challenge was how do you convince the establishment, right? Uh, and a, a coalition that has been around forever, a coalition that has not been kind and has not been inclusive uh, in, in engaging um, uh, the youth. So we wanted to, uh, so we, we wrote letters, actually. We tried our best to have as many meetings as possible. We wrote letters. We customized our narrative and the messaging uh, to the different uh, party, uh, party representatives, right? So for the establishment uh, coalition, we spoke a lot about like how there are a significant amount of rural youth or even urban youth that goes back to rural areas to vote. So you shouldn't discount them as well and you shouldn't just you know, assume that young people will naturally vote Pakatan Harapan because that's also not very true. Um, I think especially with how that time Pakatan Harapan was responding, everyone can have a manifesto, everyone can have populist policies. So it's really about how do you want to capture the next generation of voters. Hmm. Okay, so after, you know, sending letters to MPs in parliament, they bought into the idea? I think um, I cannot honestly say whether they actually bought into it, but it, I think what we managed, we did manage to do was that we created enough traction from the public to pressure uh, their political leaders. I think that's a lot more important, right? Um, it's it's not fair to just say credit like you know some letters and some conversations can change your mind because I I honestly also don't believe that. But what I believed happened was that there was enough pressure from the public, from the media that were platforming these voices, uh, from the youth political uh, leaders, right? Even within Amno and PAS that were coming out saying they were supportive of this bill that eventually the members of parliament realise that, you know, the youth is a force to be reckoned with and they better listen and they better, um, you know, um, um, vote in favour of this bill because otherwise you will be uh, disenfranchising 3.8 million uh, new voters. So I think that's the, what I would say the biggest uh, factor in uh, convincing the members of parliament. But also another important factor was that, you know, YB Sadiq himself, when he was a cabinet minister, also went to meet almost every single one of the uh, party leaders, right? To And, you know, he took his time to speak to them and engage them. And I always think that, you know, when it comes to activism and advocacy, you need to work hand in hand with politicians and you must work hand in hand with uh, if you have allies, especially in these positions, because otherwise it's going to be very difficult to push reforms through. And I think that's what he did. That like, He complemented our efforts uh, on the ground with uh, securing the, the votes and the support in parliament. All right, I'll just get you to stay on the line with us, Kira, because we need to go for a very quick break, but we will come back and we will continue talking to Kira about the importance of lowering, lowering the voting age to 18, as well as uh, whether the state of emergency will delay this timeline. You're listening to The Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to the Daily Digest on the Bigger Picture. It's me, T. Shaoik, with Lim Su An in the studio with you. We also have Kira Yusri, the co-founder of Undi18, on the line for our story today. Before the break, Kira shared her overall thoughts on some of the statements made by the Yang Lipatua Dewan Negara or the President of the Senate, and that's Tan Sri Dato Dr. Rais Yatim, who commented on the lowering of the voting age from 21 to 18. Basically, he had claimed that the decision to lower the voting age was a hasty one made with without weighing the pros and cons. Now, Kira, you clearly disagree with his statement. And uh, so why is it important uh, for our country to lower this voting age from 21 to 18? Yeah, I think um, very important to remember that in Malaysia, 18 years old is not... The reason why Undi 18 has 18 years old is not just a random date or random arbitrary number. 18 years old is the age of majority uh, in Malaysia, which means that at the age of 18, 
you are liable and accountable to your actions. Um, you know, if you rob a bank, you'll be charged as an adult. You won't be charged as a, um, you know, as an underage or a minor. So it makes no sense that you know you are help. The government will hold you accountable to your actions as an adult. However, they don't treat you as an adult when it comes to choosing your leaders. And I think we also fall back on the fundamental idea that voting is a is a human right and not a privilege. Nor is it something that you know you give to only people who have lived long enough or people who have um, done, you know, studied hard enough because you don't take exams to, to become a voter nor do you go to any courses to become a voter. Um, so we believe that denying uh, Malaysians between the age of 18 and 21 years old to vote is um, is something that, that is not only harmful to the development of the country but also harmful to our democracy, uh, something that, you know, uh, Malaysia supposedly prides itself with. So on a similar note, why is it then important for young people, even those who are in still who are still in school, to be politically conscious? I think becoming politically conscious is a rite of passage that you ha- you should go through earlier rather than later, always. Um, but the benefits of being politically conscious is that you, it allows you to make better decisions, and I don't mean better decisions by saying there is a correct person to vote or not, right? Because that's not my place to say that. Because people should be able to vote. Uh, the representative that they want. However, when it comes to voting, with all the information that's available nowadays and also the information that's inaccessible to certain communities nowadays, it's all the more important for us to become politically conscious earlier because all this information is going to be key when it comes to making a decision at the ballot box, right? I meet a lot of people, young and old, who um, don't understand the consequences of their um, of their votes, right? Because they feel they they uh, we we still practice politics uh, in terms of uh, we we have a cult of personality. I think you can see from the leaders that we choose, um, and more importantly, we lack policy minded. Uh, uh, politicians, right? When it, when it comes to in in in, right. uh, in parliament, right? Many politicians edge their 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 uh, campaigns on politic kidmat, right? Going down to the ground, giving aid, providing welfare, but you don't. Politicians, uh, uh, many politicians take policy making seriously, and I mean like you know allocating resources for researchers, uh, pushing for uh, uh, reform agenda such as local council elections and all that. And I think it's partly because you know we elect the representative that we relate with the most. And for many of Malaysians, we still believe that uh, you know parliamentarians, especially MPs and aduns, are the ones that that should be on the ground with us every single day, living our lives. You know, political literacy and politically conscious means being able to understand the diff- the different roles that uh, lawmakers make, such as local councillors, aduns, MPs, cabinet, executive, judiciary, and um, I think because we we don't place enough emphasis on voting overall. Uh, we miss the importance of all these, uh, um, I guess, elected roles as well as appointed roles uh, in, in, in the different um, segments of, of government. So it's only so much you can say, let's, we must teach them in school, we must educate them, etc., etc. The reality is many Malaysians don't go to school, the many Malaysians don't go to university. So if you start by you know, legisl- uh, creating a legislative change, and you know, indirectly, you also signal that elections are important because we take your voices uh, very seriously. I believe that it will push uh, Malaysians, young and old, to, to consider the, the weight of their decisions. So Kira, you mentioned earlier that there was pushback from older MPs from both sides when the idea was initially floated around. But why the pushback? You know, what were their concerns? Hmm, that's a very good question. Um, I think most of them are very concerned that they don't know how to make the right decision or the best decision. So a lot of the kids that we spoke with also came to us and said that 
they don't know, they don't see why this is important. In fact, they do not want this reform to happen. And when I ask them why, they would say, oh, because we're still young. We can't even make a decision about um, like what to eat for lunch tomorrow. How can we choose our government? And I was looking at these kids and I'm like, honestly, do you think many adults even know what they're going to eat for lunch? You shouldn't compare. These analogies are, does, does not make sense, right? So our role so far, you know, even after the amendment has been passed uh, in 2019, our role so far is to make people realize that what makes you a voter is, is not your education um, background. It's not how many A's you got in SPM or PMR. It's not the degree you have, nor the jobs that you are uh, you are holding. It's about your lived experiences. You know, someone like me. I mean, I grew up uh, in a in a public school, right, for a majority of my education, and I had girls in my school that that were that got pregnant, right, in in high school, and then in our education system, they were expelled, right. They can't stay in school while being pregnant, and and today some of them are lucky enough that you know they they actually have a, a pretty good life afterwards, right? Uh, I'm not saying this is good, but is that something, does that make her, right, uh, my, my batchmate in high school, less of, a, of an experienced voter than I am because she didn't finish high school? Does that make her less intelligent to make decisions? Actually, I would say that she probably has a lot more lived experiences than me because she, you know, is a mother, um, you know, she is uh, going through um, society and, and figuring out unemployment and figuring out uh, education, figuring out a future, much more, she's going through much more challenges than I am as someone who managed to go to university and secure a job. It does not make me a smarter voter. It does not make me a more rational voter. You know, I don't think political awareness or the, the right to vote should be given to a selected community, right? And if, I, if you make the argument that uh, young people are not smart enough to make uh, to make decisions, then I think you should also consider an age limit to becoming voters. But that's not a question that we're ready to talk about yet as a Malaysian society. So I think uh, this would be the biggest concern that um, you know parents, teachers, and students would have um, when we, we talk about uh, Undi 18 back then. Yeah. So I think the, the biggest challenge is really to convince people that you know that you you do know if you do know you do know what's happening in in the world and in the country and you have an opinion about it, you should have the right to vote and choose the leaders um, that you believe can change your situation. You know, Kira, there are some who argue that lowering the age of voting is directly more beneficial to Pakatan Harapan. So if there are people from the government listening in maybe feel this way, what would you tell them to convince them that this is a neutral move that could benefit both sides? I think um, politicians on, you know, well, there's like so many different coalitions now. PN lah, BN lah, PH lah, right? So I think if, if you are not in PH, right? I think, I don't think, I think, uh, you know, many studies and surveys announced recently have shown that, you know, the, the sentiment out there is 50-50 right now, right? Political alliances and political loyalty can change over this, from the span of overnight to a span of a few months. And I think what's happening right now with the pandemic and um uh and 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 the economy uh how it's performing is it means that you know everyone is at a loss of what who which leader they want to have uh to lead them in the next uh, elections so i would say that you know young people are not automatically pakatan harapan voters i think that's an insult to the intelligence of young people actually because we are not able to think critically or understand or comprehend you know the political situation that we have at hand Right. When everyone, when given the responsibility and the right to go to the ballot box, they take their responsibilities seriously, uh, meaning that they put a lot of thought into who they decide uh, they want to have as their leaders. 
So now that the country is in a state of emergency, there is concern among some members of the public that this will cause a delay in the implementation of the automatic voter registration for 18-year-olds. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think it will be delayed? Mm. I mean, as we all know, right, this emergency is a political emergency, right? Yesterday, mm-hmm. Dr. Sri Ismail Sabri has announced even more businesses will open. Restaurants will have dined in again. So clearly, the country is not pausing. Neither is the civil service, um, you know, and, and they have said that, you know, cabinet members are still going to work. Civil service will continue to work. And for the, the lowering the voting agent to happen, the election commission is in charge and responsible for ensuring that the data, you know, are, are all aligned and that the technical uh, technical uh, aspects of this amendment uh, uh, come together, they are not on pause. Neither are they taking a break or, or uh, under emergency. The only people affected by the emergency are our politicians, uh, you know, our Dune and MPs. So there should be no reason why uh, the only 18 uh, gazettemen should be delayed past July, as promised by the part, uh, Perikatan National Minister of Law himself uh, when he said in the last uh, parliamentary sitting, so there, should, there really should be no reason why it's delayed because based on what our Prime Minister has said, everything else is going on as usual except Parliament. And you don't need Parliament for, uh, for this law to be gazetted. Uh, so there sh- you know, so I, I, I hope that um, the Prime Minister can respond to Raya Siatim's statement yesterday to, to say that to assure the country that the Uni 18 bill will be gazetted as promised in both administrations, Pakatan and Perikatan National. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kira. That was Kira Yusri, co-founder of Undi 18, and she was sharing her thoughts on the importance of lowering the voting age from 21 to 18 and, and made many, I think, very rational arguments as to um, why young people um, are uh, can be empowered um, to vote and to, to have their voices heard, I think, as citizens, right? Mm. Um, what do you, I mean, I'm going to ask you, Suen, by default, simply because you're closer to the age of 18 <laughs> than I am, <laughs> What do you? What did you think when um, the bill was passed in Parliament uh, uh, back then mm. to lower the age of voting? What What were your immediate thoughts? I mean, I would, I, I was just very happy that that went through because. The first time that I would have been um, allowed to vote when with the voting age at 21 was when I was about 23. Mm-hmm. That was like two years later already. And even then, it feels like it felt like I've been missing out on so much because simply because I couldn't vote. You know, you see people going out to queue to vote and to I guess to have that knowledge that you are doing your part in potentially making change for the country for the better or uh, for the better you know and to have to wait that long i guess because elections are every f- 4 to 5 years and if you if if you were 20 for example when that general election happened you have mm-hmm. to wait like it until you were 24 mm-hmm. around that and it's it seems so unfair to young people when they are the ones who are most affected by policies mm. and I think it's also unfair to say that 18-year-olds aren't able to think critically because if you say that, if you look at 18-year-olds now and say that, well, they're not particularly politically active, that shouldn't be an excuse to not allow them to Mm. leave them out because something needs to happen, right? It's the chicken or the egg. Do you, because if you allow them to vote, then that could also be the driver to get these conversations mm-hmm. going among our youth exactly. to drive them to think about these issues or um, especially issues that they themselves are particularly passionate about. Yeah, because um, if the 
uh, voting age doesn't include them, um, you know, from the time that they are considered legally adult, mm. you're right. Um, then the attitude would be, well, why do I need to pay attention mm. to issues? Uh, why do I need to pay attention um, to policies and political uh, affairs in this country? So, so you're absolutely right, right? If if the impetus is there, the political consciousness um, comes yes. as part of it. And in parallel, the, uh, you know, um, political parties, but also civil society uh, can then, you know, um, do their part to educate uh, mm. younger voters um, on what, how to make their voices heard, what kinds of issues they can speak up on and, and how to go about it. Mm. And, and I guess as, as you know, um, for the more experienced citizens, I guess I would say it's, I, it, I guess what people want is for them to stop looking down on the youth because you are there to, you should be guiding them on how to think critically about th- these things, how to participate in these conversations, in these debates, rather than just simply shutting them down because they're too young. I also um, find it uh, such a weird contrary view that uh, if you think that 18-year-olds are not mature enough mm. uh, and not uh, uh, aware enough to be a voter, what makes it any different for them three years later? Right? Yes. In that short time, uh, what is being done to, is anything actually being consciously done to to raise them to that level? No, right. it, it's, it's always just been a by default thing. Mm. And age shouldn't be a measure of maturity. Mm. It shouldn't be a measure of how knowledgeable you are in the political situation of the country. Because I think as we've seen, even older adults in Malaysia don't necessarily, you know, aren't necessarily more mature That's than our right. youth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we will have some older uh, older listeners uh, perhaps with something to say about that. But y- I, I would agree with you there. Um, we can't say that all older voters um, make the wise and right decisions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if at 18, you think that... Uh, if you think that uh, young people at 18 aren't, um, you know, at the level that they should be in order to uh, make a a political, uh, a civic decision, then that's a failing of uh, something in our society, I think. Uh, And and that's something that we should fix rather than uh, just to uh, leave it at the default of 21 and and hope that they magically um, reach that level. By themselves. By themselves, (laughs) correct. Um, And and just to add on one more thing, I think this COVID-19 pandemic has just, has really shown how much our youth have at stake, you know, in the in in the country's situation, in the political environment, because they are among the ones who are most affected by the pandemic. We look at, um, I mean, yes, we are looking at younger groups in people who in secondary school, for example, their education has been severely affected in the past year or so. University students have been in sort of a limbo-like position, you know, at one moment they're asked to return to campus and the next moment they're asked to study from home and I, I would think that these are the sort of decisions and situations that they want their voices heard mm. so that they are not simply at the mercy of people who are unfamiliar with the situation on the ground. Mm. So what do we need? What do they... They're probably thinking, well, what do we want in place um, so that w- there's a, the, the workforce that we join uh, in the very near future, mm. uh, you know, is something that uh, we are prepared for, right? Or that um, social issues are related to starting the family, uh, related to uh, 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 welfare. All of these um, don't 
they, they, we shouldn't exclude young people mm. uh, from them. Um, we're talking about planning ahead. And uh, if we don't plan ahead and if we don't uh, have young people in the conversation to plan ahead, then we're forever only thinking in this five-year um, short term. That's you know? right. Yeah. Well, that's all the time that we have for today's show. Um, it is Chinese New Year Eve, so um, <laughs> we want to take a bit of a break, I suppose. Um, but do share your thoughts with us on this issue. Um, tweet us at BFM Radio, WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Um, check us out on Facebook at BFM The Bigger Picture and drop us a line there. And uh, of course, as always, uh, our podcast is available on bfm.my slash daily digest. Also on our BFM app and on the regular podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. Coming up after the 3 o'clock news, Hazrul Ashraf uh, will be on Live and Learn talking about um, rethinking urban planning and redeveloping our cities for future generations. So that's continuing the conversation uh, about uh, how young people are going to be impacted. So mm -hmm. do stay tuned for that. You've been listening to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. Uh, here's wishing you a very happy and safe Chinese New New Year. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.